You're listening to The Business Marketing Show, episode number 45. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Welcome to The Business Marketing Show. I'm Brendan from The Search Engine Shop. Here with my co-host Ed from Online Impact. Good morning, Ed. Hey, Brandon. How are you, mate? I'm good. How about yourself? All is. I good. just asked you that, didn't I? You did ask just... me how I was, and I said no. how I am, and we're all we're always good. So one day we'll come on and say just terrible, just terrible. <laughs> but we won't. We'll keep we'll keep it upbeat. So we 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 uh, we'll have to put a link on our podcast show notes of the uh, the. The website or the article we were reading about the lady that does unboxing on YouTube. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I think uh, for a bit of a uh, bit of a laugh, the listeners will have to go and check out this article about the ex porn star who now does unboxing of children's toys on YouTube. And unboxing makes, means means un- yeah uh, yeah take them out. She takes them out of the box. With just all you see is her hands in the video, and she unwraps the toys and says, "This is a Cinderella. This is a Mickey Mouse, or whatever it is," and uh, and records that on YouTube, puts it up on uh, on her YouTube channel where she's got just under three million subscribers, and she makes about five million dollars a year, according to the the article. So, mm. uh, just a bit of interesting reading for our. <laughs> We're working too hard. Working we're, way too hard. Everybody is compared to that lady. Um, yeah. So we'll put that on there as a bit of a bit of a laugh. So that brings us to the topic of today, which is absolutely completely unrelated to what we just said. And very serious. Very. This is a very serious subject. Ex porn stars opening toys. No, nothing. Toys. No, it's not as interesting as that. <laughs> It's, uh, it's much, much more serious and it's about security. Yeah. And, and when we say security, Brendan, are we referring to just websites or are we referring to all sorts of different things in terms of online well, or all sorts digital? of different things? Like, um, I had this conversation very regularly and I thought we had a podcast on an episode on it because I was talking to someone. So I probably have this conversation three or four times a week. Um, and I was going to send someone a link to a podcast. I'm like, we have one on security. And then I realized we don't. So, we're talking about security and securing your stuff. Um, and I guess so it's now 2015. And I mean, when we started doing the workshops in what, 2009, 2010, the, I guess the mainstream and businesses weren't relying so much. The word the cloud or cloud stuff was still pretty new. Um, but today it's pretty much taken for granted, like things like Dropbox, Skype, they're known in the mainstream, I guess. So, you know, your everyday internet user or everyday business, small business is probably using Dropbox and using a bunch of cloud tools. Yes. Um, and, well, like, first off, there is always, so we're talking about security and there is always a trade-off, generally always a trade-off between security and convenience. So the more convenient something is, or the more convenient you have something set up, it tends to be less secure. So if you want to increase the security of something, it'll be less convenient to use. Um, so I see a lot of people doing convenient things that are really, they're, they're pretty, well, they're lazy. Um, and yeah. they're basically bordering on, you know, stupid and it 
is causing problems with their security. They're really insecure and, you know, in the right circumstances, it's like leaving the front door open, basically, the way yeah. they've got the security set up. So I want to talk about security and some simple steps today that, you know, or anyone can do to increase the security of their computer, their cloud stuff, their data, basically all their IT assets dramatically. That makes sense. It does indeed, and, and this one of the things a lot of people drop their guard with all this sort of stuff, and and don't even have some basic parameters in place, including, you know, not using the same password on every single thing they ever go and access. Uh, so, that being said, what do we have on the list for number one? Well, that is number one, in fact. So, my first number one point is. Don't use the same password and everything. That's uh, what a segue. Probably, that was. Yeah, probably the biggest mistake people make. Like it's very, very convenient, and the problem is, I guess people have so many services now. You might have a hundred logins now, um, but the the thing is, if one of those logins gets compromised, uh, they're all compromised, and you might not be aware that a lot of the time that login is not stored in an encrypted format. On the other end, so anyone who has access, anyone who's, man anyone who's managing the servers or that service on the other end has access to that password in unencrypted format. So therefore, if you're using the same password on everything, they have access to all your stuff. So all it takes is a malicious staff member. You know, the security on that end might not be so strong. Um, and if that system is compromised, then basically the password to all your stuff is compromised. That's not good. No, and that's, you know, there's things recently, the hacking of Sony and all these other services and, you know, they talk about people's usernames and passwords being stolen. That's the reason why, because if you steal 100,000 passwords, there's a good chance that 50% of those passwords are the same password for everything else that user has or that person has online. So that might even be, that'll be Gmail account, internet banking, um, all sorts of stuff like Dropbox where they're, they're storing sensitive data that is... It's either commercially sensitive or commercially valuable. Yeah. So, I mean, look, one of the things that I've always done for years and have recommended clients to do is to use a password slash login management tool or service or bit of software. Uh, there's many out there. One that I use is called LastPass, L-A-S-T-P-A-S-S dot com. Uh, it's about $12 a year for the, for the premium version, so not very expensive. Uh, and it enables you to keep all of your passwords for different sites fully encrypted. Now, the downside that one could say about this is that you're using one password to access your password management system. So if that gets hacked into or someone works out the password, then they've got access to all your other things. So um, how does one deal with that scenario? Well, okay, so, yeah, I agree with you. As you said, using a password manager sorts out the problem of it being convenient to have the same password and everything. So I, we've talked about this in another episode, I think, in one of the very first ones where we mm. talked about tools or whatever it was, yep. digital toolbox, and I use 1Password, which is the same as LastPass, just yeah. to, you know, same sort of thing. But um, two-factor authentication is the way to solve that, and I believe LastPass supports that. I don't use it, so I don't know, you tell me. Yeah, I'd, I'd have to double check. I, I don't have two-step authentication set up on mine, uh, but I should look into that, and that's probably going to be something that will solve that issue. So, 
Yeah, so that's our, I guess that's the next point is use two-factor two authentication on important things where it's offered. So, uh, so two-factor authentication is where you have to use a username and password and then you have some sort of token or some sort of third number. It might be tied to your mobile phone number. It might be one of those key tag things people sometimes get from their bank or it could be the most common one is an app that you have on your smartphone where it just has a rotating number the same as those key tag thingies do. Um, so I have, so with two-factor authentication, even if someone has your password, they'll need that token to get into your stuff. So even if your password's compromised, you're still protected by the, that level of security because they don't have the token. So for your critical services, I'd suggest that you really need to have two-factor authentication on. So for me, my primary email address, my personal primary email address is with Gmail and Gmail um, supports two-factor authentication. Yeah. Um, and my all our business emails are on Google Apps, which is um, the business version of Gmail. So we have it there. Uh, Dropbox as well has two-factor authentication. So let's turn on there, Evernote um, and Facebook. So those are probably my, this, I guess for most people, there's a stack of services that are kind of the core services. And if they get compromised, it's easy to compromise everything else. So probably the most important one is your personal email address that everything is tied to because a lot of the time, if you have access to that email address, then it's easy to do password resets on stuff. So by, I guess, fortifying your email account and securing that, then you kind of, you know, increase the security for everything else overall. So having two-factor authentication there is a really good idea. Okay, yeah. I just looked up LastPass and it does have it and it supports it for a whole stack of different systems. You can use Google Authenticator, which is a free sort of app that you download for your, for your phone um, and, and different ones like uh, Duo and Twofer and different things. But I think we should probably just explain what multi-factor or two-step... Um, uh, factoring or what do you call it? Two-step? Two-factor authentication, two-step two, authentication. Yeah, that's the one. Thank you. Uh, we should explain what that is. What is what is that? Because a lot of people, they hear this terminology, but what what is the actual process? So if I go to log into my Gmail account on my computer, um, is it going to ask me for uh, to do something? What's the, the process? So, if, so the way I have it set up, so I go to log into my Gmail and then if it's a new computer that I'm logging in from or a new device, uh -huh. it'll, you know, it does the login. That's the first step. Then the next step, it will say enter the code from your authenticator. So I use the Google Authenticator app. So enter the code from that. Yep. And there is a checkbox there to remember this device for 30 days. So I, every 30 days, I have to re-enter the code. Um, so that's how I log into the web version of Gmail. And then for anything else attached to it, like I use um, I use Apple Mail. Um, mm -hmm for my email client. So it, it has a second level of security there and where every, you generate a unique password for every app that's accessing um, that piece of software. So the password for my email on my iPhone is different to the password that I use for my email in my Apple mail. Yes. So okay. I think, I hope I've explained that correctly, but yeah. Yeah. So it's uh, basically the only way that someone could get access to your system is they would need to have they would need to have your phone. Uh, if they had your phone and they're in front of your computer and they could access your phone and access your authentication system, then you'd be in trouble. But the likelihood of that is very very remote because typically all of these security issues are happening from someone who's remote in another city, another country, somewhere. So they're not going to have your phone. 
And well, you, the, the, there's one thing I want to point out there that if someone has so the, the next point I have here is lock your computer when you're not in front of it, mm-hmm. because if someone has access to your computer, so if your computer is sitting here, Ed, and you walked out of the room for 90 seconds, and I had a USB key with me. I would be able to copy certain files off your computer that meant that I could get past the two-factor authentication on my computer and log into your account. Right. So it's not a bulletproof system. It's not if, – if basically if someone has physical or remote access to your computer, they can still work around the two-factor authentication very easily. So okay. I would – for my computer, I lock it when I walk away from it. I always have a, um, my screensaver kicks in after I think five minutes and it has a password to unlock it as well. So uh-huh. yep. I would say never leave your computer unattended in your office or any public space at all because it takes less than two minutes for someone with physical access to get the files they need to be able to compromise your stuff from a remote location. Yeah, Okay. So, uh, but that is, get, we're getting into the very, 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 very finite, lower risk stuff in terms of that happening. Uh, and it's important that people take those risks. But um, t- I think probably one of the biggest issues that most people have that I come across is they have very weak passwords and they yep. use the, their first name or their surname or something that's really easy to work out, at, you know, or they use, admin admin as the username and password to get into their website or things like that we, we see this all the time or admin password you know it's like so that they really are very lazy and and coming up with something that's um harder to remember which is why if you're using something like LastPass or one password then um you can come up with something that's a bit more difficult um uh, that has a combination of of letters characters uppercase lowercase etc that um, is going to be much more difficult for anyone to, to think of or crack, um, but you've only got to remember the one, so that's not not that bad if you're using a system like that. So. Yeah, and also if you get new devices, like if you get a new Wi-Fi access point for your house or something like that, it has a username and password to log into the interface. Don't leave it at the default settings. So like you said, most of the time, the, the username and password, when you take it out of the box is admin and admin or admin and password, change that because, again, if something goes wrong with the network and someone gets onto it and then they can get in there with the default username and password, which you can just look up on the web, um, if they have access to that device, they can change certain settings in it that allows them to access other things inside your computer. So it's it's almost like your security – well, it is. Your security is only as strong as the weakest link. So – lazy practices around security on all your IT assets, even just one piece of equipment can compromise the whole thing. It's like having a fence around your your um, IT assets and, there's, you know, there's one spot where there's a big gap in the fence. It doesn't matter how strong the fence is. Someone can just walk around to the back of, you know, the property and just walk through the gap, you know. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah, so all these little things that add up over, you know, it, it really is like you see hacking on TV and in the movies and it's so complicated. They're typing all this code and all this rubbish. Really, it's so easy today to just walk in the front door. Most hacks are done via social engineering and just common sense things. It's not, you know, this weird stuff you see in the movies and it's all fancy and they're typing code and it looks like it's really hard work. It's really easy. Oftentimes, there's, there's books about hacking. There's been famous hackers, and often they'll just call someone up and pretend to be from tech support and ask for their username and password, and the person will give it out. Mm. You don't even need to hack anything. You can just ask for the username and password. So, yeah. 
Oh dear. Yes, that's a worry. Yeah. So yeah, don't leave the default username and password on any devices you have plugged in. Like that might be printers, Wi-Fi, routers, cameras you've got set up. Anything can be compromised. And I think the camera one is a good one because a lot of people have security cameras in their home now or some like webcam stuff. So like if you can get into the webcam remotely and it's you know, if someone can access it remotely and it's got the default username and password, who knows what they can do with that camera. So mm, Exactly. So anyway, while you were talking, I just checked and I do actually have multi-factor uh, set for LastPass. So, I've, you know, you've answered my own question. I must have done it. I've done it so long ago that I've forgotten that I've done it. So that, that answers that question. But um, that's good. So that's, yeah, very important. The password side of things can't be emphasized enough. I mean, nothing's foolproof. Let's be absolutely clear here. Uh, yep. Hackers can hack into top government facilities and all sorts of different, you know, high-end companies. If they really want to get your stuff, they're, they're going to. Uh, but if you take precautions, have, you know, have backups of your important data um, and, and, and protect yourself the best you can, then you've eliminated the chance of this sort of stuff happening by a huge yeah. factor. So um, yeah, you're not and, making yourself a target, basically. Yeah, exactly. So, all righty. Keep going, my more. friend. You, he's always got more. This guy. This I'll also, guy. I'll also in the show notes, I'll link to a TED talk by a security expert who talks about this stuff in more detail and has some really good examples of things that people do that are really silly that compromise their security and things you'd never think of. Like he has an example where he talks about how even the most basic thing can be hacked. Like you know, in South America, the people standing there at the airport with the the cardboard things waiting to pick people up with you know people's names on it. Yeah, he talks about how how that can so easily be hacked. You know, another guy walks up, bribes the limousine driver, takes his piece of cardboard off him, and stands there with the name. And a lot of people are being kidnapped. Like a lot of executives, they sit there and they before they do that, they Google all the names to see who the people are. They find someone who has you know a high net worth individual. They go and bribe the guy. They stand there with a piece of cardboard, and the guy gets kidnapped. You know, like this sort of stuff happens quite regularly in South yeah, America. So. Yeah, that happened to me, and um, I've got to say it was a very unpleasant experience. And you know, it wasn't a piece of cardboard. They had my name written down on it. It was actually something a bit fancier than that. But it's still the, the end result was several months of captivity, being fed, <laughs> being fed worms and, and very unpleasant tasting beer. Um, but. In the end, uh, my, the company that I worked for came through in the end and paid the $50 ransom and they let me go. But it was it was pretty tough, I've got to say. But just pay attention to that because there's some very dodgy airports around the world and, um, yeah, it's very, very bad stuff. But that's a very good tip. Thank you, Brendan. <laughs> well, it's an interesting <laughs> anecdote, Ed. I feel like you're making fun of me. Uh, I would never make fun of you, Brendan. <laughs> I only make fun of people that it's easy to make fun of. And you've got to be serious. We're talking about a serious topic here. We're this is serious. We, we, were, we were getting way too serious there, so I had to put some Jeez. levity in there. So, so no, I wasn't, obviously it wasn't really kidnapped because, um, you know, come on, I'm worth more than $50, seriously. <laughs> All right, what have All we right. got, what have we got next else? other than kidnappings? <laughs> everyone's, right, we've got a few. everyone's terrified now. They're going, oh, my God. 
<laughs> These guys are serious. No one's going right, to. We've just we've just completely damaged the travel industry because no one's going to want to go travelling now because they're all afraid they're going to get kidnapped. <laughs> uh, all right, the next one: give staff their own accounts instead of just letting them use yours. So, oh, most yeah. things, yeah, like a, a website's a good one that um you know if you have staff doing stuff on your website, uh, give them their own account to log into the website versus just using the generic account because you know classic case staff members leave you have you know. Occasionally, you have malicious ex-staff members, and if they know the login for your stuff, um, yeah, that can be a problem. So, if mm. they have their own login to, that's tied to their work email, then that's not a problem. You can just, when people leave, you can just turn off those logins. So, yes, and that that's where LastPass or the other password systems, I'm pretty sure, do the same thing. Is where you can, rather than actually handing over your username and password to a staff member to access something. Uh, they can open up in a, a free account with uh, someone like LastPass and then you share access to a particular account. So they they actually, all they have to do is click on a button, it automatically goes in and uh, LastPass does and does the, 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 the username and, and login without revealing to the staff member what the, those details were. Um, and if they ever leave or, as you say, you can just remove them from the system so they'll never be able to, get access to it again but at least you're not actually handing over your, your password details so that's pretty cool i think it's yep. a very handy system yeah so uh next one is make sure your wi-fi is encrypted um both at home and the office like it's so basically you have to put a password in to access it there's still people who you know some routers out of the box are not encrypted or they're using the default encryption password as well mm-hmm. uh, so that's an important one but also if you're using unencrypted Wi-Fi that's public Wi-Fi, like at a hotel, a cafe or something like that, use a VPN tool on top of that because that Wi-Fi is not encrypted. So the security is very weak on that network. So any data that you're sending and receiving across the network can easily be captured by anyone in that vicinity. Yeah. So using I, a VPN tool like TunnelBear, um, which is free. like I think TunnelBear. Tunnelware, <laughs> you know, a gig of traffic for free can be an easy way to solve that problem. Okay, cool. Well, I, as a side note, I'd just like to thank my neighbour Marge um, for allowing this podcast to happen through her Wi-Fi um, and, and and Fluffy her cat, which is her password. So thanks, Marge, for doing that. Um, it's it's great of you to contribute to our, our show. Uh, and all seriousness, again, that is something. Do you see passwords like the name of someone's cat and their you know, and and their street address or their their surname. So, yeah, use a, the proper password system for your Wi-Fi. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, I got two more. Uh, the next one is use something called OpenDNS. So, they go into a whole bunch of technical stuff. So, DNS is a part of your in your network settings for your computer. You've got something called a DNS server. And what does DNS that stand server. for? What does DNS? Domain, domain name system. Thank so, you, Brendan usually have two DNS server addresses in your network settings. Now, by default, that will point to the Wi-Fi router or whatever the router is on the network that you're plugged into. Um, and that'll allow you to access everything on the internet. What OpenDNS is, it has a, in there, it will deny you access to any websites that are dodgy, that have been hacked, that, that malicious, all sorts of stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a good basic level of protection to protect you against, you know, if you, if so, with you by using that OpenDNS, you won't get onto some of those dodgy websites that are infected with spyware, or adware, or something like that. Yeah, so we we'll put so, the link to yeah, okay. open the OpenDNS website, and we'll have the 
instructions and the details on there for setting it up. It's very quick and simple and it's free as well. Um, and it's, it's actually quite a good extra level of protection. And it's probably even more important if you're doing a lot of traveling and you're using Wi-Fi on networks that are public. It's also very important for that because those networks could be compromised as well and it will protect you against that. Yes, that is very good. Um, a lot of the routers now, the you know, uh, Wi-Fi routers, um, have software that comes with them. I know with mine, with Netgear, it's got uh, an app that I've got on my phone that I can control the on and off access. Like um, our daughter has a separate Wi-Fi access through that router, and uh, it's very good leverage against them for doing their homework because uh, I, cause I, I can just. <laughs> I can just say, oh, you haven't done your homework today. So, uh, okay, I just open up my app and hit the button and switch off her Wi-Fi and she doesn't have access to it. It's, it's, it's very mean, I know, but you have no idea how effective threat, <laughs> threatening your teenage children to switch off the Wi-Fi is to get things done. So, uh, But it also, uh, on the serious side, protects them from websites. You can put things in there. You can actually see where they've gone. So it's if you really want to keep an eye on what's going on with, with the traffic of uh, your, your children's computer. Um, it's pretty cool what you can get access to now. That's another security feature. But yeah, OpenDNS, very cool. I use it, so it's important to consider. Yep. Uh, and last one, we can do a whole bunch of other stuff, like making sure you've got antivirus installed in your PC, but I just assume people do that these days. But the last one is be mindful when you're putting logins and passwords into a website that the website uses encryption. So, um, that yes. it has HTTPS in the browser bar. Yes, yeah. Very, very, very important. And it's one of the things now for those who are developing websites that it's probably, I would suggest, almost a, a default that you should do, particularly if you're doing any form of e-commerce, taking payments, etc. You've really got to have that, and Google expects it these days as well. So um, for, the, for the extra cost per year, which is variable, but it's not huge, to have the security uh, system set up, it's worth doing. So mm-hmm. um, another thing, a lot of... Companies now that I use domain registrars have um, the the multi-factor authentication set up as well. So anytime you log into those accounts, you you have to have that system set up, which I think is very good because protecting your domain names is important. A lot of people don't think of doing it. Um, So it's another thing in the path of someone nicking your virtual property. So. Yeah, because the domain name is the fact we talked about this so much. The domain name, DNS as well, Cloudflare has two-factor authentication. Yep. Because those are both foundational components. So if someone can get into those, they can do all sorts of damage. Yeah, everything else is could be completely compromised in terms of your website, your emails, all sorts of stuff. So, uh, and yep. and and you lose. You know, if they somehow take control of your domain, I mean, you can potentially get it back. But you've got all that downtime. It could be days, weeks, or months until you get it back from someone who's stolen your domain, and um, mm. and that could be very expensive. So yeah, really make sure you protect your domains. And if your domain registrar doesn't offer two-step authentication, might be worth considering moving to one that does. Yeah, so, you using at the moment. You're still using Namecheap. Uh, I'm using. Uh, Cheap domains, Namecheap, which does two-step, and also Uni Registrar, which does as well. So, so I'm pretty much covered. 
cool. Yeah, I use Namecheap as well. I've got the two-factor on. Yeah. It's a bit of annoying sometimes when you get, oh, crap, you know. Because sometimes I'm, I hop on my computer at night and I go in to log into my domains and I've left my phone next to my bed and so I can't go in because I'm going to wake my wife up if she's gone to bed. So, you know, you get uh, – so you should really have it set up on my iPad as well. So. Yeah, it's a, again, it's like the security inconvenience that's going to be a trade-off. So yeah, that's it. I'd rather have the security rather than the inconvenience. So yeah, awesome. So they're just a few things, really, uh, some basic stuff in terms of making sure you're you're covered. But those yeah. those things we've we've talked about can really make a big difference in uh, having major major headaches and having very few. So yeah, well, take- we'll include in the show notes. We'll include the list of action steps on the action plan because that's it's pretty simple it's probably an hour of work it's not a big deal um, but you know it might be a thousand percent increase in security and it just stops you being a soft easy target so yep. all things being equal if someone's out to get someone then they're going to go after the easy target versus the hard target ain't that the truth hmm. well nothing else to add I think we're done for this uh, episode on security so Thanks, Brendan. Oh, thanks, Ed. Everyone go out and set up your two-step authentication, and we will catch you next time. You've been listening to the Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.